What's up? What's up, Emerge? What's going on? Did Pastor Cole just can give you guys a, a freedom for steroids or condolencing steroids? Did he do something about that? I'm confused. Okay, we're going to rebuke that in the name of Jesus. Don't do steroids. They're bad. They're bad for you. How's everybody doing tonight? Half of you guys are awake. How's everybody doing tonight? Man, I am so glad to be here. I have got a fire going on in my belly tonight. I hope you guys do as well. It's going to be awesome. I'm excited. Uh, so let me pray real quick, and we'll, we'll get this um, show on the road. But actually, for real quick, I want to give two little kudos. Uh, let's give it up for Miss Julia last week. How awesome was she, right? She did awesome. I'm pretty sure I'm going to think twice about ever having a donut ever again in my life. I think she's ruined it for me permanently. Um, so thank her for that. My wife's very happy that I don't have to worry about donuts anymore. What up? Uh, and on that note with uh, wife, can we give it up for Miss Abby last uh, two weeks ago? She killed it. Man, I am so lucky and I am so over my head. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. That's awesome stuff. And a uh, little uh, preview. Uh, I think Miss uh, Miss Tori and Miss Abby got a little showdown coming up here in the next couple months. They're going to bring you guys a word. I just told Miss Tori she's going to kill me later, but that's what's going to happen in a couple months. Let's give it up for that. All right, I'm so excited. I'm so excited. Let's pray. Uh, Lord Jesus, I, I thank you so much that you're here tonight. God, I pray that I will completely step out of the way, Lord, and, and that you will completely step in, God. I pray that my words will not be my words, Lord, but they will be your words. God, I... Um, I pray if anybody does not know you, that they'll come to know you tonight. I pray that your presence will be here and that you'll convict us, Lord, and that we will learn more about you and how much you saved us and what it really cost. Lord, thank you for these students. May what we say not fall on deaf ears, Lord. May we all have ears to hear tonight. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. Amen. Awesome. Um, okay, so I want to recap you. If you have not been here the last two weeks, want to briefly talk about uh, what we were talking about. We have in this series, we're talking about the three main temptations that the enemy uses us. Remember the big idea, we'll pull that big idea up for the series, is that there is the enemy after us because we are made in God's image. And we, in Jesus, are able to overcome. And so that's what we're going to be talking about tonight and how to overcome that. The scripture that we are referencing is 1 John 2, 15, verse 17, says, Do not love this world, Satan nor the things that it offers you. For when you love the world, Satan, you do not have the love of the Father in you. For the world, Satan offers only a craving for physical pleasure, right? We call that uh, lust. I'm sorry, we call that lust of the flesh. Um, a craving for everything we see, we call that lust of the eyes, which we've talked about the last two weeks. And the pride in our achievements and possessions, we call that the pride of life. These are not from the Father, but they are from this world, Satan. And this world is fading away along with everything that people crave. But anyone who does what pleases God will live forever. So we broke those three men temptations down that we've talked about for the last three weeks. The pride, the pride of life, which we're talking about tonight. The lust of the eyes and the lust of the flesh. So the reason that we're talking about these is because Paul says that we will be familiar with Satan's scheme so we'll be able to overcome. We want you to know what you're up against. So the very first thing I want to do tonight before we dive into this is I want to talk to you about some of the lies that Satan uses and some of his strategy that he uses. So 
if you look at this real quick, uh, John 8, 44 says this. Uh, Jesus is talking to the religious leaders at the time, and he's saying this to them. He's saying, for you are the children of your father, the devil, and you love to do the evil things he does. He was a murderer from the beginning. He always hated the truth because there is no truth in him. When he lies, it is consistent with his character. For he is a liar and he is a father of lies. So, Satan comes after us by lying. I want to tell you something very interesting, okay? That is the only thing that he has the power to do, is to lie to us. He does not have the power to change things. He does not have the power to hurt us. He does not have the power to take people's life away. He has only the power to lie to us. And here's the great thing. We can say no. Right? We can, we can, we can say no. So we take this all. So, so I referenced this a couple weeks ago. I said, okay, what can we do to pinpoint that strategy from Satan, those three, those three main temptations he uses, the three main lies that he uses, right? And how can we reference it in a Bible? And we talked about Adam and Eve, and ironically, right, that's the very first temptation that happened for mankind. So Eve was there with, with Satan, you know, the, the, the snake, and the snake was lying to her, and, and she was convinced, and she saw that the fruit was good, she thought that it was good for food, lust of the flesh, lust of the eyes, and she was excited about the fact that it can uh, give her the same wisdom that God had. And that's what, that's what made her falter. So the last lie that we have, the last temptation that we're talking about tonight is the pride of life, which I think is kind of ironic that the last argument that Satan used towards mankind for us to fall into sin was the exact same issue that caused Satan to be cast out of heaven. You see, see, Satan, a little bit of history there with him, is he was an archangel. He was one of the main angels of God. He was in the presence of God every single day. He was actually over all the music. And he, uh, and he decided that he wanted the wisdom of God and the credit for what God, he thought that he could be just like God, pride, and he was cast out. And he used the exact same thing on Adam and Eve to seal, to seal the deal. So I hope I've made my point. He is the father of lies, and that's all that he can do is lie to us. So the other day, uh, we were meeting with some students, and we came up with some lies that some of you guys might be hearing from day to day. I want to read them. I want to read them to you. Here's a couple of them. Um, the first one is, I'm not fit enough. So I have an eating disorder to make myself feel fit. I don't know who I am, so I harm myself. I don't like my personality, so I drink to show people who I am. Little insight on me, that was me. I can't handle conflict, so I smoke pot to numb out. I'm afraid of what God has called me to do, so I chase everything else to cope. I'm in a relationship with someone I have no business being in one with because I fear being alone. I'm afraid to grow in life because I'm afraid of the unknown. And lastly, I don't think I can be heard, 
So I fill myself with anxiety and worry. Do any of those hit home to you? Amen to that. Amen to that. Let me tell you something crazy, right? So that scripture, that was awesome, by the way. That was, I, congrats, thank you for doing that. You just made me feel so much better. Can we give her a hand, please? That was awesome. You guys like my water tonight? Abby was like, your voice sounded a little raspy last time. You need to drink some water. To you, babe. Oh, that was great. I just, I needed that. Um, but here's a funny part about those lies, right? So, so, so Jesus says this in that scripture about Satan being the father of lies. He says in the previous one that you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. That's what we're getting towards tonight, is we're getting towards freedom. Amen? Amen. Here's a good fact, one for you, right? Truth produces freedom, while lies produce bondage. They hold us back. So, as I skip on through here, I want to tell you guys a kind of story about pride in my own life, and I think you'll be, it's funny. But before I tell you about it, I want to tell you, have you guys ever, or actually ask you, have you ever been to a restaurant and the waiter just kind of irritated you just a little bit? Just a little bit? Like you're like, I want water with lemon and lemon on the side, okay? So if you're, you know, Sancerra, you don't like the lemon in the cup, you want it on the side, and they, what do they do? They bring it to you in the cup, not on the side, right? Drives you absolutely nuts. Today there's kind of a funny story. You can ask Pastor Cole about it. We went to Koizy. We went to Koizy today. I was really gluttonous. I got, I got convicted because I thought about uh, Miss Julia's message last week on, on Lust of the Flesh. But, but no, so we went to Koizy. Check this out. And, and, and Pastor Cole got the sushi with the rice in it. All right, And he didn't eat the rice, but he ate the sushi part. And the server was trying to make a point, and he was going to charge Cole for not eating the white rice and the sushi. What is up with that? I know, it's, it's weird, it's weird. So, right, so, you, so uh, you get what I'm saying, right? Just you get those servers that are a little bit, eh, eh. Okay, so remember uh, two weeks ago, I told you guys that I worked at the Cheesecake Factory. That was so weak. I worked at the Cheesecake Factory. Man, I love that place, okay? And so I worked there actually all throughout college, so I got pretty uh, confident in myself in that menu pretty quickly. If you, don't, if you don't know Cheesecake Factory, I'll fill you in. There's 250 menu items. It's a lot, and that's before you get to desserts, all right? And they put you through, like, a training boot camp. Like, I'm talking about because they're so corporate, they're, 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 they, you have a list for everything that has allergies, and you know pretty much what every single thing is in every single menu item. So... If you're there for a couple years, you get pretty good, right, knowing what to look for and what to do. And I decided that I got so good that I can take everybody's order and never write it down. I know, I was really prideful, a little too confident. Yeah. So here's what's funny, too. And here's what I, I even got even more pride is I, I, I worked down in South Florida where all these people are from New Jersey, Okay, and I'm not picking on people from New Jersey, but I'm picking on people from New Jersey. New Jersey people like to make everything complicated. So they want everything sauce on the side, extra sauce on the side, no pickles. Wait, okay, put the pickles on the side last minute. 
So I would even more pride myself on the idea that I could definitely just nail this menu. I can definitely take up to four orders if I wanted to and just make it perfect. And people were amazed. They're like, how did you remember that? I'm just awesome. Just call me the cheesecake. You see my cheesecake cape? Thank you for the courtesy laugh, ladies. Appreciate that. I like the cheesecake cape on cheesecake cake cape. <laughs> Say what? So, so, okay, so this happened one time, right? So I decided to push myself. I had a party of seven, okay? Party of seven, and I'm like, I'm going to do it. I got this. My manager's like, you are crazy. You are crazy. And I'm like, just you watch. This is, these people are going to love me by the time it's done. So uh, everybody placed their order. I got all their sauces on the side, all their substitutions right. This one lady ordered a chicken quesadilla. Okay, and so she gets her, everybody gets her food. Everything's perfect. I'm so excited. And then somebody says, hey, Jeremy, go check on the lady in table, you know, seven on seat five, because that's the way Cheesecake did things. You're just a number. And um, so I would check on table seven, seat five, and it was a lady that ordered chicken quesadilla. And guess what she did not order? To her, she said she did not order a chicken quesadilla. She said she ordered nachos. How do you get that? How do you get that wrong? How do you go from a chicken quesadilla to nachos? I was mad. I'm still mad now. I probably need some healing in the name of Jesus. All right? So my manager's like, dude, you screwed up the whole table, man. Come on, bro. What were you doing? They were mad at me. They're like, he didn't even write anything down. So I, I wo- so that night I couldn't sleep. I was so angry. I'm like, man, those people ordering chicken quesadillas for nachos. And, uh, and I, I realized that night, I'm pretty sure it was the Lord whispering to me, Jeremy, she was right. She ordered the nachos. Oh, come on. But what led me there? Pride. Thank you. Thank you. Pride led me there. And here is a big, big idea tonight. You guys ready for this? Pride is the silent killer in your relationship with God and others. So pull up this verse, 1 Peter 5.5. 5. Peter says this, all of you clothe yourselves with humility toward one another because God opposes the proud but shows favor to the humble. Wow, God did not, God definitely did not show me favor there with Miss Chicken Quesadilla. Just let me just say it. No, but, but for real, and, and let me tell you something. When I was digging through this and praying through this, I thought it was funny and ironic that Peter is saying this. Like, out of all the disciples to say this, it didn't make any sense to me because Peter was the leader. Peter was the rock. Peter was the man, and we're about to read about it in just a minute. We're going to read about it. So Peter and Jesus and all the disciples go up to this place called Caesarea Philippi. Everybody say Caesarea Philippi. Good job. You guys get an A. So let's pull up this picture real quick. This is modern-day Caesarea Philippi. Here it is right here. It looks like a cave. All right. So Jesus and his disciples went there. And let me, let me share the context of the situation with you because this is, this is really legit right here. This is awesome. Okay. So Jesus was meeting with his disciples there, and they were looking at it. And let me tell you about Caesarea Philippi. There were three evils of that day. And if, if you were sitting in Jesus' time, and, and you were a Jewish person, and they said, Jesus and his disciples went to Caesarea Philippi, you'd be like, huh? 
What? Why did he go there? It was the most evil place on the planet in Israel. It was so evil. And here's what, ask me what made it evil. I'm going to tell you, there's three main things that made it evil. The very first thing is called, it was called Caesarea, which was Caesar. So there was emperor worship there at Caesarea Philippi, because Caesar was a god to the Roman Empire. The second thing, all right, there was worship of this Greek god called Pan. Does anybody know Greek history and Greek religion and all with Pan? Okay, well, if you've ever watched the movie Hercules, Pan is the half goat, half man. I got a little picture of him up here for you. That is Pan. He's got the flute, okay? He's the, he's the god of, of drama and fertility, so you can imagine there was a lot of crazy stuff going on at Caesarea Philippi with fertility. All right? It was nuts. Lastly, go back to that archaeological picture if you don't mind. This is a cave. And, and back in Jesus' time, the river was actually, this is the mouth of the Jordan River, it was coming out of it. And this cave was called the Gates of Hades. And let me tell you why. Because there they believed all the demons... And all the gods, the Greek gods, would go in there for the wintertime, and they would then worship all the demons there. There was demonic worship going on right there. And Jesus took them there. This is great. This is going to get nuts. I'm going to read this story to you. All right, pull that up right there. This is uh, Matthew 16, 13, verse 19. You guys with me? All right, we're just getting started here. I promise I won't go too much longer. All right. When Jesus came to the region of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, who do the people say the Son of Man is? They replied, some say John the Baptist, others say Elijah, and still others, Jeremiah, or one of the prophets. But what about you, he asked. Who do you say I am? Simon Peter answered, he goes, you are the Messiah, the Son of the living God. Jesus replied, blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah, for this was not revealed to you by flesh and blood, but by my Father in heaven. And I tell you that you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of Hades will not overcome it, and I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven, and whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven." pause. How do you think Peter is feeling right now? He is like, I am the man. Jesus, the son of God, right, just gave me an A, and he's going to tell me that I'm going to have the same power as him. Wow. Peter is feeling pretty good. Peter got an A plus. Then check out what Peter does. So then Peter pulls Jesus aside because Jesus was telling his disciples, that we are going to go to Jerusalem and the Son of Man, him, Jesus, must be killed and be raised up in three days. And Peter's like, Jesus, let's talk. Your rock wants to talk to you. All right? And he says to him, he says, never, Lord, never will that happen. Then Jesus says to him, check this out. So Peter began to rebuke him and said, never, Lord, he said, he said, this never shall this happen to you. Jesus turned to Peter and said, get behind me, Satan. You are a stumbling block to me. You do not have in mind what, 
uh, you do not have in mind the concerns of God, but merely the human concerns. How do you go from being the rock, the man, to one second later completely messing it up, and then Jesus calling you Satan? That's messed up, Peter. Right? Think about this. Let's talk about this. So he went from hero to zero, right? He had a chance to be humble, and he completely fumbled. He had a humble fumble. What? What drove him there? Pride. Pride got him there. So the very first thing that we were going to talk about is Peter's position. That was point number one. We know about Peter's position. The second thing that we're talking about is Peter's pride. Think about this. How do you have the guts to tell the Son of God never and rebuke him? You've got to be pretty stuck up and pretty confident to say that. <laughs> so we eventually, you know, eventually the disciples leave and, and, and eventually they end up in the upper room at the very last supper. And we continue to watch Peter and Peter continues to, you know, do knucklehead prideful things and Jesus so calmly rebukes him. And finally they end up in the upper room. They're all having dinner together and then an argument breaks out. They're arguing about who would be the greatest in the kingdom. Who do you think started that? Why? Pride. Come on, Peter. So Jesus says this to him. Check this out. He says, Simon, Satan has asked to sift you as wheat. But I have prayed for you, Simon, that your faith will not fail. And when you have turned back, strengthen your brothers. But he replied, Lord, I'm ready to go with you to prison and to death. But Jesus answered, I tell you, Peter, before the rooster crows, you will deny me three times. Now Peter's speechless. So check this out. Jesus told Peter, Peter, Satan is asked to sift you like wheat but I have prayed for you. Let me tell you what that means. That means that permission, the permission has been granted. You're going to be sift. You're going to be sifted. Sifted. Sift, 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 sifted. But he's like, but I have prayed for you that you'll be able to strengthen your brothers. But this is how prideful Peter re re responds. He goes, Lord, I'm ready to go with you to prison and to death. This guy is consumed with himself. But then, but then Jesus breaks it down and says, Peter, you're going to deny me. You're wrong. You're going to deny me. So eventually, um, so eventually uh, uh, Peter does deny Jesus. Um, but here's the thing that happens is next is Peter's process, which is the third point. Right? So we found out that Peter does betray Jesus. In fact, it's a very interesting story that the, 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 the gospels write this. So Peter denies Jesus three times, but how it started was by a servant girl. A tw okay, so what that is is basically Peter is a grown man. He's been walking with Jesus. We know he's consumed with pride, but a 12-year-old-ish servant girl who's not Jewish because she would not be a servant, 
right, said to him, wait, no, you're, you're definitely one of the disciples. And that's when he clicked. How does that happen? How do you go from that much confidence, okay, and completely flip it to a 12-year-old servant girl that in your time doesn't mean anything? Because Satan was studying him. Satan studies you guys and your weaknesses. Satan studied me. I'll tell you a really interesting story about me, and, and, and I'm letting you in on, on, on something with my life. So I've told you guys before, I, uh, I worked for Corporate America for the last eight years. Uh, so when I, I graduated from school, when I went straight into the business world, and, and I had a lot of favor, um, and uh, within uh, three and a half years, I uh, became uh, an executive vice president of sales, and I, I was very, very successful very quickly. And um, they, uh, they decided to fly me all across the country. And I would go to, to different fresh points and, and different companies that we had at the time, and I would train their sales team, and I would train their managers. And if I couldn't go out to visit them, they would then fly them to me, and I would train them. And I got to know a lot of people very quickly. Uh, every single senior executive would say, this is our up-and-comer, Jeremy. Uh, he's going to be uh, running our, our company one day. And I got very, very prideful. And um, I remember uh, uh, they asked me to, to do a, a sales meeting, uh, a national sales meeting for them in, in Atlanta for the whole entire East Coast. And they said, uh, we want you to put the whole production together. We want you to do everything. We want you to convince everybody that might not be a salesperson to be a salesperson. So I remember sitting on my floor praying with the Lord, and God was telling me, Jeremy, you're about to go through a very interesting season. And I was like, that's, it can't be, that's not right. You're, you're, this isn't God telling me this. God wouldn't tell me that. So I went to Atlanta, and I tell you guys this, I dropped the mic. It was absolutely amazing. I did not know that I could do something to that ability. If you never thought you could be in sales, you went to that meeting and you're like, I'm going to be in sales. It flowed so well, and every single person there was Jeremy, that was awesome. Jeremy, you're awesome. Jeremy, you're incredible. Jeremy, 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 Jeremy. And my head swelled big, and I became consumed with pride. And let me tell you a little bit where it took me. I flew home. Israela was about a year old at the time, and Jaden was about four years old at the time. And I was looking at them, and I was and looking at my wife, and I was saying, eh, I don't need this. I'm too good for them. And I seriously would contemplate the fact that I really just didn't want to be a married and do the father thing. I just wanted to be a very successful businessman. And I would still run to my time with the Lord in the morning. I would still seek out the Lord because I kind of knew that this feeling wasn't right. And I, didn't, and I knew that something told me that I was going to be sifted and I was going to go through a transition period in my life. And I, I remember there was, there was one time where I even looked at Abby and I said, you know what, you can, you can go home to your parents. You can take the kids and, and I'll just make money for you guys and, and I'll just make it easy for you as possible. I was about to walk away from my entire family because of pride. That was my process. Satan studied me and he knew how to break me quickly. 
And I remember there was one morning, and I would keep on seeking the Lord, and I would keep on, on seeking the Lord, and I would not hear from him. I would keep on spending time with him, and God wasn't listening to me at all because I was consumed with pride. Because it's the silent killer in your relationship with God. It's the silent killer in your relationships with everybody that you have in your life. And I, there was a point where I, just, I was in my closet one morning getting ready, and the Lord said, Jeremy, he finally spoke to me and said, Jeremy, look up the biblical definition of pride. So I did, and that was my breaking point. I read it, and it said, pride is the definition of taking credit for what is God's. Taking the glory for what is God's. And so I started thinking about this for a second and realizing that all the success that I had was not really because of me. It's because God put me in situations in my life to where, to where I could be successful or learning things in my life or putting the right people in my life in place. Absolutely none of it came from me at all. And I sat there and I realized that, oh my goodness, what am I doing? I'm killing myself right now. So I was reading um, Bait of Satan with, uh, with John Brevere. If you haven't read it, it's an amazing book. His wife, his wife, Lisa, writes this thing about the sifting process. There's a couple things with it. I'm going to go ahead and ask Pastor Caleb to come on up. The very first thing is a uh, sifting process is to bring closer an object to its foundation. To remove what was dead, to harvest what was ripe, to awaken, to unify or mix together so it can no longer be separated. Peter was walking away from it all and so was I, but praise be to Jesus that he got the glory. So here's what happened to Peter. So Peter so Jesus dies, and Peter runs away, and he doesn't want to be seen because he's so overcome with grief. In fact, there was a moment right when he denied Jesus three times that, that Jesus was getting beaten. Peter denies Jesus three times, and then he looks up and sees Jesus, and then Jesus is making eye contact with him, and they exchange glances, and Peter broke. And he fled, and he wept. And for three days, he was completely gone. But we know the end of the story. Jesus did not stay in the grave. He, ro he rose. So the women came to anoint his body, and they found that his body wasn't there. And the stones were rolled away. And the angel said to them, go tell the others and Peter that Jesus is alive. Jesus pointed out to Peter because he knew he was shaken to his foundation and he wanted to encourage him and let him know, Peter, I've got so much, you've got so much potential in my name. And that's the last piece of this whole argument that we're making right now is number four, and that's Peter's potential. See, pride was sifted and shaken out of Peter's life, and he was able to lay the foundations for Christianity. So check this out. So we went from telling Jesus he's wrong and rebuking him to then being completely rid of pride. And then 
he, he was able to, when they first launched the ministry, he, uh, him and the disciples were filled with the Holy Spirit and they walked up to the gates because they were going to go preach at the temple and they saw a crippled person that had been crippled there their entire life. And then Jesus, or sorry, then Peter walked up to the crippled person and said, listen man, I can't give you money, I can't give you anything, but I can give you your legs so you can walk and you can be healed. Do you want to be healed? Yes. Then in the name of Jesus, I command you to get up. And the guy got up and he walked. Because Peter was not consumed with his own pride anymore. He was not consumed in his own power anymore. He knew that his authority didn't come from himself. His authority came from Jesus who called him the rock in the first place. So then Peter goes on and he goes to speak to the Sanhedrins, the, the biblical people of the time, and he, he, he's arguing Jesus to them. He's making the case for Jesus. How do you go from rebuking Jesus to then making a, making, a, making a statement for him and laying the foundations of Christianity? Because he didn't have pride anymore. So here's the question. What pride are you holding on to in your life? What lie are you holding on to in your life? What's in the way from keeping you to walk in your authority that Jesus has given you? So as we close this series out, I want to let you know every single one of these temptations, lust of the eyes, lust of the flesh, the pride of life, every single one of us deal with them. But maybe there's a couple of them that you feel that you're pretty good at, and maybe there's a couple of them that you don't feel very good at. Here's what the point is, is that Jesus conquered all three of these temptations with the enemy. Jesus fasted for 40 days, and he went out to the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. And the devil tempted him with his flesh. He has fasted, so he gave him bread. Jesus refused it, said brand, uh, people cannot live, on, man cannot live on bread alone. And then he took him up to see the kingdoms of the world, the lust of the eyes. Jesus rebuked him. And then Satan offered him the entire world if he just bows down and worship him, the pride of life. But Jesus resisted and said, get behind me, Satan. So Romans 8.11 says this, And if the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the, from the dead is living in you, then he who raised Christ from the dead will also give you life to your mortal bodies because of his spirit who lives in you. What this verse is saying, guys, is because this verse is telling you the same power that's in Jesus to refuse the lies of the enemy is in you. You can overcome. Like Pastor Jeremy, I'm... I'm so consumed right now. I'm, I don't think I have any way out. I want to tell you, that is a lie. I don't care what you've done. I don't care what you've seen. I don't care what physically you've done. I don't care what you've thought of in your mind. There is nothing that can separate you from the love of Christ. There is nothing that can, there's nothing that can get in your way to get you to be changed and completely filled in Him. There is nothing to hold you back from having the same power that was in Peter. There's nothing. So I want every head bowed and eyes closed. We're going to make a decision.
So maybe you're, um, maybe you're at the point in your life right now where you're like, you know what, Pastor Jeremy, I'm, I'm struggling with lust. I'm struggling with pride in my life. I want you to raise your hand right now. Nobody's looking. On a count of three, one, two, three, raise your hand. I'm struggling. You can raise them high, guys. Don't be afraid. There's no judgment here. There's no condemnation here. I just want you all to be healed. I'm going to pray for you. And as I pray for you, I want to give the opportunity to go see a leader. Go see Miss Abby. Go see Tori. Go see Julia. Go see any one of our leaders. Go see Pastor Trent. Go see Brent. Go see Pastor Cole. Let's get this thing taken care of together. Lord Jesus, I thank you for these students. I thank you that we're here tonight, God. God, I pray that every single lie in the name of Jesus will be revealed and that we will stand in faith and say, get behind me, Satan. I am no longer listening to your lies anymore because I know what they're going to do. God, I pray that you'll give us courage to do what is right. I pray that we'll choose life and not choose death, God. In Jesus' name, amen. Now keep your heads bowed and your eyes closed. Maybe some of you tonight, you're like, you know what? I don't even know who Jesus is, but this is an amazing story. I came here tonight and I realized that I need a Savior of my life. We're going to pray a prayer right now, so I want everybody to pray this after me. Dear Jesus, everybody pray it. Dear Jesus, on this night, I choose you. I give up myself. I give up the lies. I confess that you are Lord, and I give you my life. In Jesus' name, amen. If you did that for the first time, I count of three. Everybody's head is bowed, all the eyes are closed, raise your hand, one, two, three. Awesome. So we're going to pray one more time. I want you guys to stand up and come, we're going to worship. I want you to be, I want you to feel free to go see a leader. I don't want you to stay in the same state that you're in right now. I want you to be able to tell the enemy, I rebuke your lies right now in the name of Jesus. All these lies that you've said to me my entire life, I want them to be gone. Go see some help. Go see a leader.